You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're recommending some books to deal with grief. I almost got out the slide whistle to do a sad, no. sad slide whistle noise, and I was like, no, I don't want that. It might seems be too sad. That's too, it seems too sad. Um, uh, we're also testing out some sticky notes for annotating, mm-hmm. special sticky notes, and we're solving a problem about a polyamorous library. Oh my God, this is one of my favorite book problems we've ever solved. But first, what are you reading, Bria? Well, I just went on a little trip, so I got to read a bunch of interesting books, but I'm going to talk about a book that we discussed on the show they came out in 2020 in our Dark Academia show. Um, I read A Deadly Education by uh, Naomi oh. Novik. Yearly, I don't think I've read any other Naomi Novik book. Well, she writes like high fantasy, and that's not really well, your thing. Just, she does retellings, you know. Oh, right. No, she also yeah. does Spinning Silver. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I've picked it up, but I've never read them. Um, why can't I remember Roots? Something. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Um, but this one is all set at a school called. Uprooted. I, Uprooted, yeah. Uh, I said a school called Sholomance. It came up on that Dark Academia show, right? Yeah. yeah. It's um, a big glasser book. Yeah, I know. I said at a school called Sholomance. I think it's called Sholomance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's for uh, magic kids, kids who are magic. But in this school, unlike your Harry Potters, uh, kids are just dying all the time. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Children are being killed by these magic things. Things happen all the time. All of a sudden, there's... So, basically, in this world, when you start showing signs of magic, all of these um, these dangerous... I can't remember what they're called. These sort of, like, monsters that are lurking and, like, various kinds of demons, monsters, bad guys. They will start... Once you hit puberty, they start coming after you. And they try, they're trying to kill you. And if you stayed out in the real world, you would just die. You would just be dead. Oh, my God. Um, but if you go into the school, the school is designed in such a way where there's only, like, one entrance, and you it's hard for all these little creatures and, and demons and mystic beings and this, like, things that set, like, random fires and whatever. It's hard for them to get through to this one opening, basically, to get in and out of the school. Um, and so you're safe inside, sort of. But sort not, of. But not really at all. Like, once a day, you know, you're like, oh, I'm going to open up the, go down and try to get, I need a tool out of this toolbox. And, and there's this main character, and um, she's like, oh, yeah, this fucking toolbox. When you open the toolbox, there's always, like, some sort of, like, you know, worm that's going to, like, crawl up your nose and kill you or something. Um, like, everything is trying to kill you all of the time. And um, oh my she God. is uh, trying to figure out, she's just trying to survive. But then there's this guy who every, he's a guy who's like constantly able to fight these monsters. He's just fighting monsters all the time, fighting for everyone in the fucking school. And she finds it kind of irritating because she's like, this guy is just saving people left and right. And uh, then they start to uh, But talk. he's kind of hot, yeah, right? He, he's kind of, well, yeah, he's kind of hot, but he's also kind of dorky. So it's like, he, he anyway... So it's sort of just about them trying to survive and figuring out um, what to do because there's a, a, a new problem this year. And the other thing you have to know is when you're leaving the school, when you graduate, you basically are th- you have to go through this one exit because there's only one exit. And when you go through that exit, it's just full of things trying to kill you. And so, like, most of the students, like, die on their way out. Not most, but a lot of them. And so you once you graduate, it's like, oh, it's almost like it's like death sentence. Um, so it's also like backing into like what that looks like. She's not graduating yet, but um, that it does have something to do with what the where the book goes. Anyway, if you are like a Harry Potter fan or if you love dark academia, this is the darkest of the dark. Wow. It's YA, but it is like people are just, you know, getting dying off left and left and right. The rooms aren't safe. You can't be like if someone's in your room at night, then all of a sudden these monsters all come after you. It is it is a wild book. I had a really good time reading it. Uh, and I see why it's a class favorite. Wow. What are you reading? I'm reading a book that is queer, historical, horror-adjacent retelling. So we got a lot of... Wow, what's happening? A lot of wheelhouse items. It's Our Hideous Progeny by C.E. McGill. Oh, yeah. And it's I'm excited n- to read it. It's not... It's, what's really interesting is it's not a Frankenstein retelling. It's a Frankenstein continuation. Oh, interesting. So it is about this woman, and she's the grandniece of Victor Frankenstein, and she knows that her uncle mysteriously disappeared. She doesn't know why or how. It's 1850s in London, and she's married. Her husband's a scientist, and she illustrates all of his papers, and she's really interested in in science and really, really into it. And she finds uh, some old family papers from her family that uh, 
allude to what actually happened with her great uncle, Victor Frankenstein, and she might have found something huge. So her husband, I won't spoil stuff, but they're in a kind of a rough place and uh, they need money and her husband's done a kind of a lot of shitty things and they're in a rough place because of it. And she thinks, well, if we take all these notes and reanimate something, then this could be the greatest scientific discovery of our age. Like, we'd be back in business, baby! <laughs> like, because her husband's kind of like a disgraced academic because uh, he has these real, like, he picks fights with other academics all the time and, like, gets shunned because of it. And she's like, well, this would really put us on the map. Um, only, uh, of course, you know, things don't always go to plan. And they, they end up trying to do the experiments at the husband's family house in Scotland where his sister is. And his sister is chronically ill and, um, he kind of gives the sister shit all the time because he thinks she's just weak and making making it up all the time, even though she really isn't. But the main character, whose name is Mary, of course, uh, get, really gets along with the sister and more than she does with the husband. Mm-hmm. And so, and then there's like a, a rival academic who wants to find out what they're doing and steal their research. And like, it's it's just a fun, great, like gothic, historical, sapphic Again, I don't want to call it a retelling. We need a new word that's like, it's the same universe. Yeah. Uh, but it's really, uh, I think it would be a big glasser book because it's like hitting on a lot yeah. of glasser stuff. I mean, queer retellings, that's all we... I mean, sure. That's that's the world of reading glasses is built on queer retellings <laughs> at this point. But it's really fun. Uh, so it's uh, Our Hideous Progeny by C.E. McGill. And mine is uh, Deadly Education by Naomi Novik. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Lindsay wrote in about mood reading to say, Hello, Mallory and Bria. Your episode on mood reading got me thinking about how my reading is affected by my ADHD. I never connected this before, but I've always turned to humor books or thrillers to get me out of a book slump. Laughing can release dopamine and serotonin, and horror can cause a spike in dopamine and adrenaline. If anyone else out there has ADHD and struggles to focus on reading at times, it might help to turn to books that will work with your brain instead of against it. Hmm. P.S. Until this episode, I never thought much about mood reading, but I think I am definitely a mood reader. I can safely say that books that make you laugh until you cry are in my wheelhouse and books that make you cry your eyes out are 100% in my doghouse. Ah, okay. That's great. Well, you should go maybe new Samantha Irby. You definitely should. Definitely should. Um, Jane wrote in and said, my daughter made me this bookmark and I thought <laughs> Bria would appreciate it. And it is a... Um, orangey yellow bookmark and it says eat chocolate when you read and you know what I do appreciate it Bria did, Bria, did you make this bookmark I did not make it <laughs> but I love it it is very cute it is well designed and it has a little heart at the bottom it's very cute for chocolate uh, we should put the put this on the Instagram it's so cute and then Sarah wrote in with a wheelhouse to say this podcast has helped me get out of a 10 year reading slump whoa from taking actuarial exams intense math exams for my job it has been such a joy to read for fun again shout out to my friend susan who introduced me to your podcast we are also Thanks, shouting susan. out susan thank you susan susan and sarah uh, what more glass repair can you get and sarah's wheelhouse is time travel where the same event slash era is lived through multiple times mm-hmm. epistolary novels mysteries with a non-male detective and sci-fi fantasy with an intriguing premise slash magic system so you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month. You can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And a couple of bookmarks. First off, I just want to thank folks. By the time you listen to this, I have been several weeks deep into a new book launch. And the day we're recording this, last night was my book launch at Skylight Books. And there were glasters there. And we had like this massive stack of Mm pre-orders to sign. And it was just so wonderful. And it's been, it's always so great to do anything and release anything because I know there's going to be glassers there to support it. And it really, really means a lot to me. I've been seeing people buy the copies of their book for their daughters and nieces and friends, kids. And it just, uh, it really, really means a lot to me, the support. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and second bookmark is we're almost halfway through the year, which is absolutely bananas. Uh, but that means that we are getting ready to put out our hotly anticipated best books of the year halftime show. I'm not ready. Oh my gosh, we were just talking about this today. We feel like we have not read enough. We always feel like that. But if you want to write in and tell us what your favorite books of the year so far, so that means they have to be books that have been released between January and June 2023. So not the best book you read, but that's a book that was released between January and June 2023. Let us know. We want to make a list of the top glasser picks for 2023. And uh, so either, oh my God, is it next week? Uh 
in a couple of weeks, we'll be uh, releasing that. It's always stressful, but very fun to talk about the best books of the year. Mm -hmm. Uh, So before we talk about the best books for dealing with grief, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is brought to you in part this week by Microdose Gummies. So you've probably heard about microdosing. If not, all you need to know is that all sorts of people are microdosing daily to feel healthier and perform better. There are all kinds of ways that you can use microdose gummies. You can use them after you've worked out or lifted a bunch of weights to help you recover. You can use them before you go to bed to help you sleep. Maybe you're an insomniac. Maybe you're really stressed out. You need a little help. Maybe you get really bad cramps every month and you want a little help for pain. Or maybe you just want to be in the moment, be a little bit more creative. Whatever's going on, microdose gummies can help. And of course, they're gummies. Folks, if only we could all have our food and supplements in gummy form. We all love gummies. These gummies really do taste amazing. And Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code GLASSES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show notes. But again, that's microdose.com, code GLASSES. GLASSES. My fellow graduates, for 500 episodes, my podcast, The JV Club with Janet Varney, has gathered story after story of all the scandalous things we've done throughout our childhoods. Stories like how Jamila Jamil survived a horrific house party and she was on crutches. Or how Hal Lublin learned a Shakespearean monologue in his pajamas. This is not the speech we approve. Without your love and life tragedies, there would be no podcast. In fact, I have an exclusive look at how Maggie Lawson's mom confronted her after a sneaky basement meetup with her crush. Spill the tea, JV. Security. Uh, uh, Listen to the JV Club with Janet Varney Thursdays on Maximum Fun. Class of forever. This week, we're talking about the best books that deal with grief. Can a book help you grieve? Should a book help you grieve? We have got you covered. So first off, we did this episode because we got so many emails asking for this, like a slightly alarming amount of emails. So to start the episode, we do want to say that if you're in a really tough situation and you want a book recommendation to help you immediately and you need help quick, uh, Emailing us is probably not the best way to do it. Uh, We get thousands of emails, and I'm not exaggerating. We literally get thousands of emails, and it's not likely that we're going to be able to get to your email in time to give you the immediate help that you need. That is bad for you, and it makes us feel terrible because we wish we could help. But, of course, even though we are your old Glasser pals, Mallory and Priya, we're not mental health professionals. Uh, And remember... We just read a lot of books. We're actually professional at almost nothing. (laughs) Uh, I took a babysitting course when I was 14, and I'm certified in giving CPR to babies. Oh, wow. You have to re-up that, though. You can't, you're not, I can't coast I actually, on those, can't ride those laurels. I took a CPR class last year because I was like, I should re-up my CPR class because oh, wow. I took one when I was also around 14 and I needed to learn, relearn. Yeah. So I relearned it. I, am I certified? You can do that online. Anything? I'm just letting you know. But don't you have to practice? Well, but you remember how. I don't know. You can take it online. Oh, well. I mean, I'm not like, I, well, you shouldn't hire me to teach a class or anything, <laughs> but I feel like, and if there was an emergency, I feel like I could. Folks, if you possibly. need CPR, don't call me. Call yeah, I, Don't call me either, honestly. <laughs> Actually, don't call anyone. Call it a professional. <laughs> Imagine. Dear Mallory and Brielle, I'm currently choking on an olive and I need some help. Please don't do that. Um, but again, we are not mental health professionals. The best course of action is always to get some professional assistance. Remember, we both really love and recommend therapy. You can also always ask your, your therapist for a book recommendation. Yeah. Uh, if you were looking for something, you know, that we get some emails, some really long, really heartfelt, um, emotional emails from people. And it like really breaks our hearts because it doesn't feel like some, th- there's some situations, which I hate to say it because we love books, but some situations that even a book can't solve. Yes. Um, so what kind of books do you reach for, Bria, when you are going through something? Do you read, like when you're going through a rough patch, are you like, I want to read a book about grief or are you like, no, get me on a spaceship and send me to the moon? That one. That (laughs) one. (laughs) Um, I don't read. I, I do like books about grief, uh, but I'm going through something. I want to reach for happy stuff. 
I know people who like to dig in. They like to like mm-hmm. make this is like really figure out what's going on by reading about it or something. But I always feel like I can't really do that until I'm in a better emotional place. And I don't need a book to push me into that. Yeah. Um, but I do love books about grief. I love reading about the concept of grief. And I love learning more about it and hearing about how people deal with it. Um, and I think, um, and, and I think that that kind of stuff is useful later when you are having grief, when you are going through something is reading these books that have these concepts. But for me, the information is hard to retain. I know when I'm going through a stressful time, I just like can't read anything too heavy because I'm just not going to retain that information. Um, uh, I kind of have to be a non-grieving state in a non-grieving mm-hmm. state to read the grief book and process it the way I want to. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Are you reading for the saddest book of all time when you're in a sad place? <laughs> Make me as sad as possible. Um, uh, I'm, I'm agreeing with you though. It's weird because grief books are actually in my wheelhouse, huh. but only not when I'm grieving. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love novels that deal with grief because they're usually weird and they bend reality in some way because that's what grief does to you. It makes time weird. It makes you feel like it puts you, it rockets you out of the life that you were in before and forces you into a strange new timeline. And I love grief books because they explore that experience. And, you know, I love weird, unsettling, horror, creepy crap. And mm-hmm. that's that, that's what I love. Um, but that's not what I want when I'm grieving. Uh, this, you know, of course, there's a lot of great horror that deals with grief, and I love that. I want comfort books when I'm sad, though. Same. It feels... I don't know, too stressful yeah. to try to find a book that deals with whatever. Like if I'm going through something, some kind of specific grief uh, I did recently, like it feels too stressful to be like, all right, I want to try to find a book that deals with this specific. Yeah. T- it feels like I've given myself grief homework. Yeah. It also feels to me like then I'm also dealing with this person's grief in this book. <laughs> like I can't deal with their, their issues and my issues at the same time. I got to be in a good spot to deal with their issues. <laughs> Put on your oxygen mask before helping others. Mm. Um, and again, I do find it definitely makes me sadder. You know, I get that. Some, like, I, And I totally understand having the opposite experience to like if you're going through something and you don't want to feel alone and you want to have connect with even a fictional person um, yeah. and feel like you're someone else is going through this with you. But I, I'm not like that. I want cozy. I want fluffy. I want give me the romance books. Give me the horny fairies. I don't mm-hmm. care what you got. Like that is because then I can get myself into a state of mind where I can process things a little more yeah. rationally and logically. Uh, that being said, do we think that books and reading can help with the grieving process if you want to? I mean, certainly. I think you, you there's a lot of people, again, they want to dig in. They want to relate mm-hmm. to a character. I totally get that. I think also... For me, if you're reading them in like a non-sad time, a non, you know, a time where you're you're feeling great, you're going to retain a lot of that information or about the character or the situation. So maybe you can retroactively think about it when you're going through something later, you know? You can think about how that the things in the book apply to your life or how this character dealt with it. I mean, I think any situation that could apply to your life, even the most like fantastical situations, are still helpful, you know? Like it's a lot of times we're still reading about very human things, right? I mean... You could be reading uh, a book about, you know, it's a, it's all takes place in a magic school and people are like fighting for their lives. But (laughs) it was also about like whether or not you should trust someone, you know, and like that is a situation that like, this is not grief, but like, you know, you can apply that to any part of your life. Like, Mm -hmm. should I trust this person that I don't know anything about? Like, that is an, that is an interesting question. And Maybe it applies to my life right now. Probably not, but I might reflect on it at a later date, which is why I read Do you have a box in your house fucking, that has a worm in it that goes yeah, into like, your brain? Yeah, a little worm that goes into my brain. It's horrible. <laughs> um, you just know, I apply it to my life because I know not to open the box <laughs> later. Um, no, I just think that, like, we. this is why readers fucking rule because we, like, can, we become more sympathetic or empathetic mm-hmm. because we, do, we hang out with these characters and what they're going through. Um, and then apply it to our own lives or apply it to people's lives that we see. Like, we see someone grieving and we're like, oh, it's kind of like that character in that book that I feel very close to. Yeah. And you have a lot of sympathy for that. Um, what about you? I think it depends so much on the situation, the context of it, whether it's a death or a different type of loss. Because everyone experiences loss so differently and every loss is so different. And I think reading might help, but finding a book that deals, one, trying to find a book that deals with your unique situation might be not as helpful as escapism might be. Because, you know, even if you find a book that you're like, yes, this is dealing with my specific type of thing, the characters might deal with it very differently than you would or you should. Sure. Yeah. A lot of 
Yes. A lot of books, like, the people are dealing with it in ways that are not very healthy. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. So if you were looking, I think if you were looking for comfort, absolutely all the way books have got you. But if you're looking for advice on what you should do in a particular situation or how you should deal with something or how you should grieve, maybe fiction is not the place to go. Um, unless you just want to, like I said earlier, you're looking for feeling some sort of camaraderie, feeling like someone is going through something with you. I will say I have been going through grief and read a book that was dealing with a similar situation and made a very bad choice because of it. Oh. I was in a bad, very bad relationship and it was a, it was ending as it should have, but I was reading, oh my God, this is such a personal story, but I was reading, I read Fates and Furies by Lauren Groff. Mm. And that whole book is about a, a whole relationship told from two different perspectives. Have you ever read this book? Mm -mm. It's such a, it's a really great book and I wish I had read during a different time but it's two books in one because it tells the whole story of a relationship from the very beginning when they were teenagers to like when they're older from her perspective from his perspective first and then halfway through the book it goes all the way back to the beginning and tells it from her perspective and the, there's so many big situations and big things that happen to them that are where the two of them experienced so completely differently and by the end of it I was like I gotta save this relationship oh, no. Oh, no. we shouldn't break up and we absolutely totally should have and it was like I uh I should not have been reading that book for again for advice I should have been finding trying to find a book that was giving me comfort and camaraderie and solidarity right. instead of being like yes this is also what i should do but there are books for advice grief yes for, i think there are books written by therapists there are books that's what i mean by mental health professionals we're talking about novels here yes, but if you can definitely find those for sure so speaking of what are some books that deal with grief that we recommend yeah and so these aren't necessarily books that i'm like this is will help you get through your grief they're just books around the concept of grief yes. that i think we both like, I got to start with The Year of Magical Thinking by Joan mm -hmm. Didion. I had never read this. People may listen to the show know that I, it was a book I had started and been like, ooh, God, that's a sad book. And then I had to come back to you later. Um, it's a nonfiction book about Joan Didion losing her husband. It's all about grieving her marriage um, and the complications of her relationship. Um, uh, that, like, during the marriage and then her dealing with it afterwards. Uh, it's also about her daughter getting sick and that was really scary. So it's just like all these horrible things kind of happened to her all at once. And um, she's a beautiful writer. And so she, of course, wrote about it and what it was like and, um, you know, how complicated her relationships are and like what it's like to be, you know, a widow and like, uh, like what it's like to walk in and like his shoes are still there. And like, you know, there's these very, very sad, dark moments. Um, I've heard that people who are grieving really get a lot out of this mm -hmm. book. I've um, been very fortunate. I've never lost a partner. And, uh, but that feels like it would be very, very hard. Um, I just thought this was a beautiful book. And um, I have recommended it to people. I, I just think it is a very dark book, too. So it's like, yeah. you know, uh, take with that. No, which you would not get from the title. No, no, no. <laughs> Magical thinking seems like fun. Um, <laughs> What's your first recommendation? Uh, my first recommendation is Grief is the Thing with Feathers by Max Porter. And it is a wicked short little book and it is beautiful. And it's about this father and his two sons. And they're dealing with the death of his wife and their mother and a supernatural crow who comes to help them deal with their grief. Of course. Because, you know, that's what you need. That's what I want when I'm grieving. I want a little supernatural animal to come and help me out. Um, it's a very language forward book. And it's like kind of part poetic and part essays on grief and meditations on grief. But also like a, a little like almost fable about this family. It's just like really beautiful. And I know that um, when people are grieving, sometimes you can't focus on a big honker book. And this is just a beautiful, short, gorgeous book uh, that has a lot of packs, packs big punch um, when it comes to grief. Uh, what is your next one? Uh, my next one is The Grief Keeper by Alexandra Villasante. Um, it's, uh, I read it a few years back. It's a YA science fiction book about a woman, an immigrant woman who gets caught in this bad situation and becomes a grief keeper, which is in this sci-fi world, someone who takes in the grief of another person, like physically, mentally, like they have a machine in a way to like, this person is grieving, this horrible thing happened to them, and you literally take on their emotions. Um, and it's science fiction, but... I thought it was just a really great examination of grief and how it affects us and the consequences of grief on the body, which is something I think is really interesting. I yeah. think there's all sorts of, um, just, I mean, this is a tangent, but I do think there's a lot of, the physical consequences of like stress is always an interesting thing to me and the way it breaks down our body and grief is obviously huge stress. Um, but it's just like a very, uh, it's a really great sci-fi book. Um, what's your next one? 
Uh, my next book is uh, The Removed by Brandon Hobson. Great, 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 great book. Uh, it's about a 15-year-old boy, and he's murdered by the police. Uh, and years later, his family is still not dealing well. Uh, they are all fucked up in their own ways about this murder. And now there's a big family event um, that is, like, where they all have to come together. I forget what it is. Um, but they're all going to be coming together for the first time in a really long time. And as they get closer to this event for each, cause you're getting the POVs of like all the different family members. And like, again, they're all, they've all like developed their own weird vices and fucked up shit to deal with what happened. Hmm. But as they get closer to the event, the line between reality and the spirit world starts to blur a little ah, bit and they start to have kind of like supernatural and like, uh, experiences and encounters and it's just a really great book about like family and grief and like the power that storytelling has and like how grief can change your reality and feel and make you feel like you're closer to a supernatural world just because everything feels so fucking weird and mm. it is uh, it's a really really good book uh what is your next one um, my next one is um, a literary fiction book called Transcendent Kingdom by Yaa Jesse, which I've talked about before on the show. Um, it's about a Ghanaian family who moved to America and the son overdoses on Oxycontin. And it takes place after that. And it centers on the daughter who is going to school to be a neuroscientist. And um, she is obviously very sad about her brother. Um, but her mother is also so sad that she's suicidal. And the whole, the book is quite dark. Um, and the daughter is studying addiction and depression as a kind of way to work through her grief about her brother dying and her mother's obviously very intense depression. Um, it's just a really beautiful book. I think it's really well-written and really an interesting examination of the way people, different people deal with loss. Um, what's your next one? My third book is a YA book. And you're like, why should I read a teenage book about grief? Because no, this I'm, one yeah. is so good. Yeah. Uh, it's Gloria O'Brien's History of the Future by A.S. King, my favorite YA writer. My favorite middle grade writer as well, actually. Um, it's about this girl. Um, she's a teenager and her mother had died by suicide years before. Uh, and her father is really not, not just not dealing well with it, but he's just not dealing with it. And ne neither is she. She's dealing with it a little bit more, but the father is like just totally checked out and the girl who through some very funny and weird circumstance that I will not tell you what happens but she gains the power to see infinitely into one person's past and future meaning that when she is doing this she can see um all of a person's ancestors and what their lives were like and all their descendants and what their lives oh are my like God, that, I would not want that yeah it's not fun and she doesn't have fun with it um only the thing is she can't see her future she can see her past but she can't see her future oh and she's trying to figure out why that is uh, and it's so it, this is like magical mix that as king does where it's like super powerful and super fucking weird but also really funny and wonderful like mm -hmm. as king tackles like this really these really serious subjects but does it in such a funny and candid and wonderful way that highly recommend for anyone who's dealing with that kind of loss it is like it's just such a good book uh what is your last one i'm doing kind of a happier one which oh, is you uh you made a fool out of death with your beauty by okoye oh. Mezzi. it is uh, about a woman who lost her husband in an accident and she decides to date again um it is kind of it is uh i would say it's kind of a romance literary fiction um uh, definitely some sex scenes, some very some some boning scenes in there. Uh, it starts with this very one very sexy sex scene. Um, probably not what you'd expect from a book about grief, but I do think it is about her, like kind of figuring out who she is and like being like, okay, I'm gonna date again. What does this look like, you know? And um, I just thought it was a really interesting way to like look. A lot of these books are quite sad, obviously, you mm -hmm. know, as the subject matter they're dealing yeah. with. But this book. It, I mean, spoiler, it has a, a happy, it has some happiness in it, you mm -hmm. know, because it is about her dating again and meeting someone who fucking rules, you yeah. know, and, and it's complicated because that's what it's going to be like, you know, if you're dating someone after losing your husband. But like, it's, it's a, it's a good book. It's really interesting. And um, yeah, I wanted to recommend a little bit of a hopeful mm, book, I guess. Yeah. Uh, what about you? I've changed my answer to this three times during the course of us recording I've seen this. I typing. Because I had an idea, like, I, 
There's one book that I really want to talk about, The Girl Who Slept With God by Val Berlinski. And, but I've talked about that on the show a bunch. So I'm going to talk about a different book that I also really, really love. It's No One Is Talking About This by Patricia Lockwood. Oh, yeah. I talk about Priest Daddy all the time because it's one of my favorite books. But her novel, No One Is Talking About This, is just as good. She's very different. This is not funny. It's a um, slightly autobiographical novel about a woman. And um, she's a writer. And she uh, there's something in the book called The Portal. And it's like her version of the internet, social media. Oh, right. Uh And she is very popular on there. And she's like, she's like always trying to figure out like how much of it is real life. You know, like even like it's not real, but it is real. It has these, he has these uh, obviously ramifications for her real life. And then something, I won't tell you what, but there's a family tragedy that happens. Mm. And suddenly she is booted out of like, this magical fake world that's also kind of real but where she has a lot of power and a lot of prominence to like a very real life ugly situation and is like trying to figure out how to live her life in between the two and it makes her realize that like there's a lot more to life than the internet and um there's a lot more fulfilling things out in the world that you can touch and and actually interact with and um uh, there's a lot of meditations on grief and losing someone, and it's just a. It's Patricia Lockwood. She's also. She, sure. I mean, she's a poet, so it's like her writing is so beautiful. There also is really funny parts, and if you are a very online person and you know a lot of like memes and stuff, yeah, she references a lot of stuff, so it's it's funny. But like, it's it's a it's a book on grief, but it's I got a lot out of it because as a person who's like trying always trying to disentangle my life from the internet, and like, even though I'm an author and I have to be on the internet all the time, I don't like necessarily want to do it and you know it's we we're talking the other day about how the internet makes you think in a certain way yeah because your brain starts to train itself totally. to think in a way that is like clickable yeah and it's horrifying it is and i'm not good at thinking like that anymore which is kind of nice yeah and i yeah and this book really delves into that so it's really it's it's so great she's i mean it's patricia lockwood so can't lose uh but we would love to know what books maybe helped you out in a situation where you were grieving and needed maybe whether it's nonfiction, poetry fiction whatever it is send us your your best your hot grief books yeah <laughs> sounds so terrible Just piping hot books about grief and sadness <laughs> send them our way <laughs> so you can send them to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com before we test out some special sticky notes for annotation we're going to take a quick break Reading Glasses is brought to you in part this week by Dipsy. Have you heard of Dipsy? If you haven't, maybe you're new to the show and you haven't heard us talk about them before. They have all types of oral pleasures to explore. We're talking oral like your ears, not oral with an O, not what you're thinking of, but actually they have that too, if that's what you're into. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They are radically inclusive. Dipsy has stories for straight and queer listeners, and 56% of their stories are voice acted by people of color. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, but... We're really talking about the sexy stories here. Maybe you want to get into erotica, you want to get into romance, but you have no idea where to start. You have no idea what you're into. Dipsy's got you covered. They've got stories for every type of sexy wheelhouse you can imagine, for the type of protagonist, for the type of situation. Maybe even you like want a specific accent. I don't know. I'm not going to judge. Everyone's got their own things. But Dipsy's got you covered whatever you are into and maybe you are really into romance and erotica already and you're just always looking for more stories they have you covered whether you are a romance and erotica newbie or you are romance and erotica expert they're such a fantastic app the app is really really well designed we just love it so much and for listeners of the show dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com glasses that's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash glasses. That's dipsystories.com slash glasses. Glasses. Parenting. It's hard, but don't worry. You're not alone. Belly up to the low bar with one bad mother and let us remind you that fine is good enough. They want to climb on different things. And how am I supposed to keep them both from dying? (laughs) There is a right way to do this. And if I can figure out that right way, I'm going to be a good parent. So that is not a thing. 
So join us each week and let us tell you that you are doing a good job. You can listen to One Bad Mother on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. Time to look at some book tech, advances in bookish technology. We've had these in the queue for quite a while after they were recommended by a few glassers, and I saw some people talking about them in the Slack channel, and some people kept emailing us about them, so we got them. They are sticky notes that are completely clear, in different colors, and are made of a wicked thin, I guess they're plastic, right? Wicked, like a wicked thin plastic. Yeah. Like if you took a cheese, what? it's not a cheese grater, but what's that like? cheese oh the thing that cuts it really parmesan cheese yeah yeah or like one of those meat slicers yeah that's but if you did that with plastic and made it into a sticky note that's what this is uh and that way so if you want to annotate or underline something in a book but you don't want to mark up the book itself you can stick some in some of the pages and you could still see the book perfectly through the Mm -hmm. the post-it um so what did you think of these Bria? i thought they were pretty cool i mean i i immediately was like oh i could use these on scripts like Mm -hmm. that's the first use uh real life usage i thought of um uh but i think i'm gonna have the same problem as you is that um Mm. they do okay they are plastic yes they're not paper so that means which you know you can't see through paper so that this (laughs) this is why you can see through them which is really fun and like yeah i could totally see it being useful because you make a little note to yourself it's like you can pull it out you can have the note later but you could have it also on the page it works out great um and you can see through it so you can still see what's on the page that's amazing but when you write on it, you have to have very, very specific, no regular pens. No. No ballpoints. No fountain pens. No fountain pens. Mallory's very wah, sad about it. Mallory wah. was at her event the other night, y'all, and she had no less than three pens in her pocket. One for each book? One for each book. Uh, marked, with, filled up with different types of ink, depending Loves on Loves a pen, this lady. Real pen oh, head. Real pen head. Um, and um, <laughs> and uh, we, I, we, we tested these out a couple minutes ago, and we wrote on them with various types it looks like you can use a thin thin sharpie sharpie but you do have to give it a few seconds to to dry don't close that book right away because you're gonna end up with sharpie on the other side um permanent smudge like a regular pen won't even write on it at all so you have to be prepared with both the post-it notes and a pen or a sharpie pen Mm -hmm. and for that they're gonna get four out of five pages for me even though i think they're very good yes but it's just like you have to be you need prepared. a special pen, mm-hmm. and you have to be prepared to make sure, like, do a little, like, a... <laughs> yeah, like, make sure <laughs> like it, it's it dries. A, like, it's a hot soup. Yeah. Um, I, I totally agree. I love the concept of these, but I do think there's some drawbacks. You know, for someone who does a lot of research for work like me, these are really cool, especially my first thought. You looked at scripts. I thought library books. Oh, yeah, sure. You know, if you want to mark something up or write, like, underline... If you, like, really liked something and you want to underline it um, for later, but you don't want to stop reading, these are perfect you just like put slap that the the sticky note in underline it and then keep reading um but you just can't write on them with everything i found the most success with a uni jet stream ballpoint the special ballpoints that we got we tested out a while ago for annotating they're like ultra thin okay and uh those i could get them to write on my regular ballpoint couldn't my thin marker pen got immediately smudged so that's why you need a thin sharpie uh i and i my own my other qualm with these is i do wish they made them wider yeah because if you're doing an underline then yeah. you can only underline half the book page right so i wish they made them they're the size of like a normal sticky note when people yeah. are thinking of them this like th- two by two three by three i wish they were l- wide and thin yeah you know what i mean um I don't know why they don't. Wide and thin. Give me a wide, thin, like a, I uh, I was going to say a big cracker, but no, crackers aren't shaped like that. Like a graham cracker. Yes. Actually, (laughs) you're right. I wish they were shaped like a graham cracker. Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, That said, these are great for you. If you're just writing a little note or underlining like something small, these are perfect, but Mm -hmm. I want that wide, thin Mm -hmm. version. Yeah. But I think these are really cool. I think these are worth checking out. They're not super expensive. So if you you like underlining things or you like making little notes in the margin, but you don't want to actually write on a book, these are perfect for you. Yep. Um, so if you have ideas for some book tech, you can send them reading glasses podcast at gmail.com or check out the wish list in the show notes for some really fun stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Now let's solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Karina asks, Dear Mallory and Bria and Sean, I absolutely love the podcast and I'm so grateful to both of you for building such a fabulous community. I have a reader problem and could really use your help. I am polyamorous and in a quad, which means there's four of us. I'm only romantically involved with two of them, but the third is my best friend. My friend is pregnant and we are all planning on moving in together this fall to raise the baby together. I'm so excited, but we do have a bit of a conundrum. My friend and I are both avid readers with large collections, 500 plus books each. The other two members of the quad are manga and comic readers so they have a bit of a collection as well they those will be easier to organize as their collections are more defined and can probably fit in an office however my friend and i have a ton of overlap we both love ya and new adult and own many of the same titles we will be culling our collections before moving but i still expect us to have a lot of the same books as we both love many of the same authors and have their books personalized to us so how do we organize this we're planning on living together indefinitely but don't want to co-own books we'd love to display our collection together in the living space which is likely the only place it will fit but want to make sure or we remember which copy belongs to who. Do we both get book embossers? Should we have assigned shelves like roommates with a fridge? We could maybe display in our own bedrooms, but with California living in king beds, I don't know that they will fit. Any ideas for us? Bria, this is one of my favorite questions we've ever been asked. Okay. What you, do you, you think? say that for every question, but yes. I know. I, lo- I just, oh God, I love doing this. What do you think? What should they do? All right, here's, I'm going to give advice, some unsolicited advice. You ready? Oh, well, I mean, this is pretty solicited. Okay, well, here's what you, here's the thing. When you move in with a significant other, friend, romantic partner, I say friend, countrymen, <laughs> Romans. Uh, anyway. For all so, the Roman people moving yeah, into your right. house. If you, when you move in with a significant other, uh, you have to remember that this person becomes, you have a new relationship with this person. That person becomes a roommate. Mm-hmm. They are no longer just a friend. They're no longer just a lover. They are now a roommate and a friend. They're someone whose dirty socks you might have to pick yeah. up. New status alert, okay? They're, they got their dirty socks. You're going to learn about their habits. Mm-hmm. You're going to learn how they treat their things, their books. Mm-hmm. Uh, and someone can be, just to let you know, a really great lover, a really great boyfriend, a really great best friend. They can be a fucking shit roommate. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. That's okay. That's just not who some people are. And some um, people are just, they're not necessarily bad, but they're just not compatible with the way that you live your life. Yeah, but you don't know that until you move in with them and then mm-hmm. you all have to change. And uh, let me tell you, it's not the easiest thing. So, and there's an adjustment period. So I think, first of all, keep that in mind, the adjustment period. You're going to go through this period where you're like, oh, wow, that's the way that person treats their books, huh? I had no idea. Or... Uh, or maybe you're the me of the group and you're like, yeah, anyone can borrow anything of mine. I don't give a fuck. Wear my underwear, it's fine. Wear my underwear, here they are. Um, (laughs) So um, it's okay if you look at their habits and you change your mind. That's what I'm saying. If you decide when, at first you're like, oh, we're going to commingle everything. And later you're like, yeah, maybe, you know, I'm going to give a couple things like of my own that I just want to make sure, whatever. So there's that. I think an embosser, a personalized book plate. What a cute roommate Ooh. moving an idea. You get the, everybody their own little embosser or their little book plate. Or a stamp. Yeah, a little stamp made for each of them so they oh, can label so their stuff. Cute. That would be kind of a fun thing. Or a little sticker. I was thinking even a sticker with like maybe the first letter of your name. Um, oh, and you can cute. give it to everybody when they move in if that's not something you think that would make them lose their minds. You know, like, but here's the one thing I didn't understand, Mallory. This person said they have California living in king bed- beds. They don't know if they'd fit. That means that, like, they all have their own room, yes? I think so. It's hard to tell from the email. Um, But if you have your own room or office or just, like, a space, like a room of one's own, you know, I do think (laughs) it's very important. Four people in a house plus a baby, that's a... You need a spot for yourself. We saw that movie. It's called (laughs) Three Men and a Baby. (laughs) Do they all live together? I've never seen that movie. I don't remember. I just, four people plus a baby made me think of it. (laughs) Um, um, I think, like, some of those overlapping books, maybe fave books that have been personalized, maybe you should keep some of those separately. You know, like, let's say you all have a copy of, you know, Deadly Education, we'll use that, uh, and yours is personalized. Let them put the non-personalized one in the living room and you keep, like, a little shelf in your room of, like, the books that mean something to you. Oh, that's a good idea. That, like, you know, I think that that could be good, especially, like, sharing the space with three other people. They are awesome people, I'm sure, but they're also going to be roommates. And roommates just have habits and that's just what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... I think, like, you know, there's going to be a toddler's sticky fingers around in a few years. Oh, and if there's yeah. something you don't want those little fingers on, then uh, it's going to happen. So you, I would move education. the stuff that's important to you <laughs> in your room. So those are my suggestions. Uh, gift the embosser or the book plate or whatever you think. 
and then take the ones that are really important to you and have a small shelf in your room. It's like, these are the books that like make me who I am. And the other books, if they get lost, if they get torn up, if they get confused with other people's, it's not as big of a deal. Yeah. I think That's so. what I think. Yeah. What about you? First off, oh, I love this. Yeah, you this do. This is the kind of reader question I fucking live for. So I, I do have a couple pieces of advice depending on what this person wants to do ultimately with their books. First, I agree on getting an imposter because they're not wicked expensive. They're like $20 or between $20 and $30. They're not super expensive. But you have uh, to get one for each person, right? Yeah. Okay. But still, I mean, yes. less than $100 for your whole book collection is not so bad. Yeah. Um, it's just a fun thing. I just think they're, it's a fun, cute thing to do. It's cute, yeah. Um, I love my embosser. Uh, it's very adorable. Um, and I, so I, I have two, a story of two boyfriends okay. for you. My for, for, uh, when I integrated my books with my ex-boyfriend, we lived together and we have had a lot of overlap like these people do what we did when we put all our books together was we organized them all by genre and whenever we had the same book we picked the nicer cooler copy to display and put the other copy behind it on the shelf oh behind it yes um so that way they're both together they're they're in the same space and they're it was pretty e when we broke up it was pretty easy to separate the books out because of that because they were all together in the same space um now my other piece of advice is that you have your like they were joking about the fridge thing but I do think it would be kind of cute to have their own assigned shelves. Like, I love how we, we've talked on the show before. We actually I think we did a whole episode about this, about how bookshelves can be an expression of who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. I think having a bookcase or a shelf or a set of shelves to themselves is a really fun idea and could make people feel like everyone has a special space. I know when mm -hmm. you are, when you're living with a bunch of people, it can be hard to find a place that expresses who you are and it doesn't have your identity mixed up with everybody else's. So everyone having their own bookcase or their own bookshelf might be kind of fun to be like, this is a, I walk into this, into this room and see that one bookshelf. And I know that I, in my, me personally has a say and an expression in what this, this room like that. looks like. Yeah. Um, now here is the story of my current boyfriend, Jeremy and I have been together for four years. We've been living together for three of them. We've lived together in, in, three places now and we have a hybrid setup now uh where where all of our middle grade and ya and horror books are upstairs and they're all integrated together and we've done the same thing if we have the same copy of something we put the other one in the back but we each have our own separate bookshelves in our offices and like so that's why i really like your idea of having like your own special books in your bedroom because it's your special place and it's your special books and what we each have is we each have our own separate tbr carts mm. uh, i've talked yeah. on the show before about my car how much i love it i got jeremy one in a different color so he has his in his office i have mine in the living room and like it's just like because before we were trying to like combine on the like coffee table all the books we were currently reading or about to read and it was just oh, like yeah, a big, bunch of big messy piles so like each having our own little like this is what we want to read imminently mm -hmm. it's really cute and fun and so many of the ways that we're taught like the advice we're giving isn't like you know this is mine and this is yours and you can't do, do that it's more of like this is cute fun stuff so you can feel like you have your own identity in a space that is shared and uh, I think there's a lot of fun things that you can do, whether it's a stamp or a cart or a sticker or whatever it is. But uh, you just I, I think you need to think about what sound what feels right. You know what I mean? If you if the thought of your books being integrated together makes you anxious, that's a sign that that's, you should not do that. And I get that, you know if you're like if you're the kind of person who books are like a really, really special thing to you and you don't really want to think about it, them being mixed in with somebody else's and like have those identities mixed together, then you don't have to. But if, 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 if that makes you excited, if like, I, you know, I, I remember when Jeremy and I moved in together and we mixed our books together, it felt like a mixing of our souls, mm. you know, it felt, it felt nice, but yeah. like just see how it feels. And you can always change your mind. Like Bria said, you can always be like, you know what? I had my books at my special books out in the living room and now I kind of want to have them in my space and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You want them for your Zoom background. You want yeah. them for whatever. <laughs> you know, I think that that's totally fair. And it doesn't seem like Karina is, like, opposed to mixing the books. No. It's just, like, how do you organize it? And especially when you have more than one. Um, and I like the idea of doing, keeping both and putting one behind the other one. That's actually kind of a cool idea. Yeah, and then that way you have the coolest version out, but they're both together. They're both, like, if you want to grab it off the shelf, it's right there. That makes it really, really nice. But you can always change your mind. You can always 
change things around. I love reorganizing a bookshelf. Like if that's a big thing, I can see where like it, in theory it sounds great. And then you move in and they're like, oh, well, I organize alphabetically by author. And you're like, but I organize by genre. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I totally understand why that would be like. Me, that gives me anxiety thinking sure, about it. Sure, sure, sure. And it, it really helps because, like, if you go into my, Jeremy's office, Jeremy has, like, a very loose organizational system. Sure. And you know me. Loose and organization do not go together. Yes. Yeah. I have a meticulously organized library. Mm-hmm. and it's it, But it's nice so that we have one. I, I really like that we have some place in, in our house that is just us. And then we do have a couple places, like our middle grade and YA bookcase. I love that that's mixed together. Yeah. And it, it, it's nice. And it makes me feel like we have little bit of mixing there you go just a little bit yeah and then the rest of the books are for me and, yeah <laughs> and it's fine it's it that's totally fine but Karina please write in and let us know because I would love to see what you did to solve this and what what your uh your solution was for this um also what is a California living bed I thought it was a California king what what do you mean it says California living and king beds uh, maybe it's the California living maybe we have small bedrooms I thought, but I think a California living is a size of mattress. Oh, okay. I don't know. I'm looking this up. I know what a California king is. It's the giant mattress. It's very long, I think, weirdly, not wide. Really? I think it's like extra long. I I thought they were wider. I think it's both, but I think that one is, well, there's like, there's like a California king and I feel like there's a Texas king or some other kind of king. Texas sounds right. No, it's not coming up. So I wonder, I'm very interested. Yeah, there's California kings. Huh. California King versus Texas King. Here it is. You got the California King. Oh, what's the difference? Mattress firm, they're going to tell us. They say, yeah, California King is 84 inches long. It's long. Longer. So it's for tall taller. people? It's for taller people or something. What about people who want? But a regular king is wider than a California king. I don't know. And then really? a Texas king, it says best for people 6'2 and up, California king. Wait, so does that just mean, why is it called a, Cal- like, are there extra tall people in California? Oh, I guess a California king and a Texas king are the same thing. Ah. Uh, like, why would they be like, ah, this is the long bed. It's the California king. I don't know. Uh, pros of California king. Your pet can sleep at the foot of your bed. It's for better for longer, narrow, and large bedrooms. I thought you were gonna say people. <laughs> I mean, for lo- narrow the people. longest people you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> you can move independently during the night without disrupting your partners. Uh, and then, why would you need a king if you got a short, wide room? King's better for couples or snuggling kids and pets. We were, I'm we, on a random website. This is, this is nothing. We thought about getting a king size bed because our cats hog the bed so much, but we realized it doesn't matter how big the bed is. They are on top of yeah, us. Yeah. Where they're not looking for bed. They're looking for us. Yeah, that's right. They don't care. They don't care. Yeah. <laughs> well, Karina, let us know because we are, I'm very invested in this living situation. Oh, sure. Certainly. I, I, I want to know the uh, how, how this all worked out. And if you want us to solve your reader problem, you know I live for it. Send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group. And remember, you want to look hot and bookish, you can go to the, our Void Merge store where you can get reading glasses, totes and shirts, stickers, all kinds of fun stuff. And it supports us. You want to help us feed our cats who steal our beds and want food all the time? <laughs> it really, really helps us. The the The... You buying uh, reading glasses, tote bags, and book slut shirts directly helps us feed those hungry cats. So there's a link in the show notes for that. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on the podcast listening app of your choice. If you do so on Apple Podcasts, you're helping us get towards our goal of me eating sopapillas. Please, I'm very desperate to know what they taste like. It's great for us and helps us reach more readers and we get more snacks. So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter, Reading G Podcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for, for reading. reading.